so worthy. You can be seated this morning, if you can, in the presence of God. So glad to see all of you guys. My goodness, I go on a week, I miss a Sunday on, on vacation, and it feels like I've been gone for 50 years, so let me reintroduce myself. My name's Josh. I get the pastor of this church, uh, which means that I'm the, the lead servant of this church. I'll tell you what, um, any form of leadership that seeks to be served rather than to serve is satanic in nature, I'll tell you that. When Jesus said, if you want to lead, then you put others before yourself, that's the way to do it. Are you guys excited today? Yeah. My goodness gracious, I'm excited about today's Eastgate Summer Days. It's been so fun, um, and the services I've been able to be in and those I've watched online. I want to give a big thank you to Keith Fountain for bringing the word last week, for Pastor Jeremy overseeing the church in my absence on vacation. Thank you guys so much. Big welcome to everyone joining online. If you would, hit that like button and that share button so that we can reach as many people as possible with the message today. And you guys in-house as well, feel free to hit that check-in button and let people know that you're here. We'll do something today. We do from time to time. If you'll check in on social media and you'll share the live stream today for every check-in, for every live stream that's shared, and I'll, I'll say this, for every person that does both. Uh, we had one person do this and they shared the live stream like 20 times thinking they were gonna bring in a lot of money for this project. But what we'll do is we'll donate a dollar for every like and share, for every person that does it, to missions in your name. That's an easy way to support missions just by doing that. So if you'll help us get the message out, we'll make sure that the message gets out on the missions front too. So a dollar for every person. Feel free to go ahead and take a moment to do that. Hey, I've got a big report for you. Our E-Kids made it back in one piece from summer camp. That's awesome. So, so check this out. Yeah, we had, we had adults, uh, leaders that went with them. They're still recovering, so pray for them. Uh, you haven't lived till you spend a week with a bunch of kids out in a hot summer camp, especially when you're 30 years old and over, 40 years old and over. Um, I'm telling you, so extra grace and prayer for those people. Uh, three, three of our uh, e-kids were filled with the Holy Spirit at camp. How awesome is that? So that brings the total up between e-students and e-kids. We had seven, seven of the next generation filled with the Holy Spirit at youth at camps this year. Four of them called into ministry. How awesome is that? God is moving. Love that. I'm telling you, if you're not focused on the next generation, you're in, you're in the wrong business. I think so many times um, society's quick to look down on the next generation coming up and pointing out the faults and the failures and character issues. And I'm just like, what, what are you doing? We're responsible for raising and developing these kids. You're pointing out your own failure. You're complaining about your own failure as a discipler of the next generation. So we believe and investing in and pouring into the next generation for sure. Guys, we've got a treat today. I hope y'all are ready. Look at the person next to you and say, buckle up. Oh, my goodness gracious. I'm so glad that I was able to be back for today. We've got a special guest bringing a very special word. Um, do me a favor. Dial in 100%. All right, block out every distraction. Dial in 100% to this word that's going to be brought to you today. Um, second time being in the church to share the word but i tell you the second they walked through the doors it was like family family's here um eastgate church if you would 
I'm not going to bore them. I'm not going to bore you with her resume, but I can tell you it's extensive. This woman is more than qualified. She has a brilliant mind, and she's so many gifts and talents that she uses to advance the kingdom of God. Um, it's an honor and a privilege to have you guys in the house today. You are very special people at Eastgate Church, if you would. Let's give God some praise, and let's show some love for the ministry of Miss Ingrid McKinley. If y'all would, come on. So, where's the microphone for Miss Ingrid? Somebody's sleeping back there that needs to be moving. I can pretend. We can pretend. See, you got that. How are you doing? So, I'll keep talking while they're getting all that ready. All right, there we go. All right. You good? I am. I'm ready for it. Bring that word. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. All right. I want to introduce you to my fine husband right there in the front. You've got to stand up. That's Mr. Charles McKinley right there. <laughs> Charles and I have been married for 30 years. We have two daughters. That's right, Alexandria. Al my goodness, she would kill me. Alexandra and Olivia McKinley. Um, and they are all in ministry as well. So we are blessed with these kids and God has blessed us all along the way. I'm not going to prolong the time. I just want to get in and talk about what I believe the Lord is saying for the message for this hour. And the message title is called Peace Out. Okay, it's called peace. That's, that's, what, that's exactly what I want right there. We're throwing a peace sign today, okay? We're going to throw the peace sign. I don't want you to hold anything back um, because we got too much going on. Exactly what Pastor Josh just began to talk about, all the stressors, the pressures, and all the things that we've been going through all week. I feel like minute after minute after minute have run into each other. Trouble after trouble after trouble have been uh, manifesting all around me. There's a lot of brokenness in our world. There are a lot of things that are going on that are just hard to deal with. Are y'all tracking with me? All right, all right. I've got family members that are going through, family members that are sick, very, very close to me. Do you understand? There are some of you in, the, in that, that middle age like I am in your 50s where you've got children that are growing up and having children, and some of you are having parents who are passing on or transitioning to be with Jesus, right? And so we're in this in-between stage of a lot of things going on, and that carries its own type of stress and pressure, right? We've got this world system that we're living in, and added to that, we've got this church system that we're living in. And I say this church system because we want to do things the way we want to do them instead of doing it the way Jesus has called us to do them, to live above and not beneath as the head and not the tail, right? We want to walk around, we want to do what we want to do and still say I'm Christian and I can do whatever I want to do. I'm big and bad enough to say what I want to say and all, all, the only thing that matters is what's going on inside of me because we're selfish. But that is not where God is in this moment. God is in this moment when he wants to bring peace to his people and he wants us to start speaking the word of God according to what he said and not what they said. And who are they anyway? Right? Who are they? All right. Human nature is, is, is just in us to worry or to be anxious about things right? It's in us. Something happens like, oh no, that, oh no, we just really go into the defensive or we go into worry. But that's not what God wants. God wants us to what? Peace out. He wants us to peace out. So when we define peace in the Hebrew, the word is shalom. 
And it's from a root word meaning wholeness and completeness. Right. You know when you're in love, you're like, he completes me. Until you get married for two years, it's like, he does not complete me. I need Jesus, right? He needs Jesus. All right, Ecclesiastes shows us that there's a contrast of peace and that is war. So we've got books and we always see the dichotomy of peace and war, war and peace, right? We see the different sides of it. It's a state of affairs, how things are going. It's the absence of war, turmoil, and chaos, peace. The Greek is Irene, meaning, like we get the name Irene, meaning totality, wholeness, success, and fulfillment. Right. But see, God and Christ are both clear about their role in bringing peace to this earth. Very, very clear. So today we'll talk about the God of peace and the peace of God. Because Jesus is the Lord or the Prince of Peace. The first scripture on peace is found in Genesis chapter 15, verse 15, where God is establishing his covenant with Abraham, who was before the law. And as he began to establish this covenant, he said, there's something I want you to know that belongs to you, even apart from the law that I'm going to give years later. Now, Genesis 15, 15 reads, now as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age. Amen. And this is when he began to establish his covenant of peace with Abraham. Abraham is the father of faith. God has called us to walk by faith and not by sight. And in the midst of this, as we go through the ages and go through the time from the Old Testament into the New Testament, we're going to be able to see how God has established peace and the power that is in it. All right. God's remedy for all of our problems are found in his word. Now, this is not an exhaustive list that I'm going to give you, but there are scriptures that are going to bring the power of peace to our attention. I want you to listen carefully to the words as we begin to go through the scripture. But before I go to the first one, Jesus said in Matthew 10, he said, I did not come to bring peace, but I came with a sword. Because sometimes... It's going to take a fight to get you to peace. He's called us to be peacemakers, not peacekeepers. Are you with me? That's the word of the Lord. So sometimes you're going to have to fight and war to get to peace. Are you ready to go on that journey? Are you ready to go on that journey? All right, because Pastor Josh said this is a family church. So we're all in the living room together right now. Are you ready to go on that journey? Because if I said if y'all ready to go to Disney World or get on that ride, you'd be like, yeah, let's go, let's go, let's get on the bus, let's get down there, let's get on that ride. We're getting ready to get on the ride. We're getting on there. So our first scripture, which from God's word, is the remedy. Isaiah, uh, Judges 6, 22 to 24 which reads, now Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. So Gideon said, alas, O Lord God, for I've seen the angel of the Lord, where? Face to face. Next scripture. Then the Lord said to him, peace be with you. Do not fear, 
Listen to the words carefully. The Lord said to him, peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. How many times do you feel when you're going through something that you're going to die? You think that this situation is going to kill me, right? Peace be to you, you shall not die. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, the Lord is peace. It is to this day still an offer of the Abizarites. Where is your altar of peace? Where have you built your altar of peace? Is it in your home? Is it in your car? Is it in uh, the water closet, you know, the toilet? You, when you go in the room back there and when you sit down back there, that's the only place you can find peace. Some of our mamas are saying yes, yes, exactly, amen. Is that where it is? It, build you an altar there. Isaiah 9 and 6. This is very familiar. For unto us a child is... Mm, for unto us a child is... Unto us a son is given, and the government, how he governs and how this world is governed will be upon his shoulders, will be upon his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. Zechariah 9 verse 10. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem. The battle bow shall be cut off. He shall speak peace to the nations. His dominion shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Amen. And we're going to move into the New Testament. Romans 15, 33. Now the peace of God be with you all. Amen. He said, now the peace of God be with you. And he just dropped the mic and said, that's it. The peace of God be with you. Amen. Next scripture. Next scripture. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. When? Shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. What? Amen. So be it. Next scripture. 1 Corinthians 14, 33, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. And as, as in all the churches of the saints, are you a saint of God? Are you a child of God? Then peace is with you. 2 Corinthians 13, 11, finally, brethren, farewell. Become complete. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. He says, when you live in unity and in the bond of peace, who's going to be with you? God is going to be with you. Philippians 4. Let's go. Let's go. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your mind through Christ Jesus finally brethren he said and again finally brethren whatever things are true Whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report. Can't see the rest of that? Go on. I'm, let me just turn around. If there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, do what? Meditate on these things. Amen. 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 Let's go. Then he says, the things that you've learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Amen.
Hebrews 13 and 20. Now may the God of peace who brought up, now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Go back to verse 20. Now may the God of peace. I want you to see the power of peace here. May the God of peace, your heavenly father, my heavenly father, the same resurrection power that brought up Jesus from the dead came from the God of peace. The God of peace brought our victory. The God of peace saved my soul and your soul and your soul and your soul. The God of peace is powerful. Yeah. He is full of might and he is holy. Peace is a weapon. Because all the enemy wants to do is to get you in chaos and in confusion and to tear you up and make you broke down, busted, and disgusted. But the God of peace said, I've got resurrection power in my hands. And in my name, you can cast out demons. In my name, they have to flee. He says, resist the devil, submit to God, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will do what? He will flee from you. And you're trying to cast out the devil with the devil. You're trying to use your worry to get God's attention, but your worry is getting the devil's attention. You cannot cast him out by using your tactics or the world's tactics. It is only through the word of God that the enemy will be removed from this place, from your heart. It is the only way. It is the word of God because it's quick and it's powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. You think a paper cut is something? We've got a two-edged sword that has been released from our mouth that will cut the enemy back, will gain ground, will push him back and say, you can come thus far no more. Don't let my face fool you. This is warfare. Because too many people are sitting in here and you're dealing with issues and problems that you don't even have to deal with. You're feeling feelings that you don't even have to keep feeling. And it's taking you down this tunnel and into this rabbit hole where you feel like you can't get out. You're so deep in the rabbit hole that you're trying to look out and you don't see any light. But I dare say, if those scales fall from your eyes, you will see the light. And the only one that can make those scales fall from your face is Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen, amen, and amen. You got to get this. The God of peace is something else, y'all. The God of peace is something else. We want the God of war, but it's opposite in the kingdom of God. If you want war, then you got to release peace. Because the Prince of Peace takes down every enemy and the enemies of our soul. Glory to your name, Jesus. Now, I'm going to read through these five things real quick. And I know I'm messing you guys up in the back. Just kind of flow with me, okay? 
This, I'm going to teach you how you can peace out. Now I want you to throw up your peace sign right now. Throw up your peace sign. And I want you to remember this. When you get into some trouble, I need you to throw up your peace sign. It's going to remind you of who you are. It's going to remind you who God is. It's going to remind the enemy when he sees this peace sign, he better back up because something's about to pop off. Up in here, up in here. Amen. You're going to have to cultivate peace, appropriate peace, dominate through his peace, and you're going to have to disseminate peace. You're going to have to do those four things. They're going to put them on the screen in a little bit, and we're going to go back over them. But right now, I want you to turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 29. Mm, 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 mm. It is quiet in here. I'm not, I'm, that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. I've learned it's not a bad thing. It's all good. It is all good. Deuteronomy 29. Let me see. All right. Mm. Now, we were in um, School of the Word. I, I attend True Life Church in Villarica, Georgia. And so we have School of the Word in the morning. And this scripture, um, one of our pastors was speaking on it, and it just really resonated with me. And I want to share it here with you, okay? And then we're going to segue into cultivating and appropriating. Deuteronomy 29, verse 1, these are the words of the covenant, we're back to the covenant, which the Lord commanded Moses to make with the children of Israel in the land of Moab, besides the covenant which he made with him in Horeb. Now Moses called all Israel and said to them, listen to what he's saying. I'm in verse 2. You have seen all, put yourself, put yourself in front of Moses right now. Put yourself as an Israelite here in these words. You've come out of Egypt. You've gone through the struggle. Hmm. You've let the Lord down. You didn't listen to me. You didn't walk by faith. You've seen him do miracles, signs, and wonders. Put yourself right there and just listen with an ear to hear. You have seen all that the Lord did before your eyes in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and all his servants and to all his land. The great trials which your eyes have seen, the signs and those great wonders. Yet, the Lord has not given you a heart to perceive and eyes to see and ears to hear to this very day. And I have led you 40 years in the wilderness. Your clothes have not worn out on you and your sandals have not worn out on your feet. You have not eaten bread, nor have you drunk wine or similar drink, that you may know that I am the Lord your God. And when you came to this place, Sion, king of Heshbon, and Og, king of Bashan, came out against who? Came out against us. When you came to this place, Sion, king of Heshbon, and Og, king of Bashan, came out against us to battle, and we conquered them. You hear the you's and the I's, and in verse 7, you hear the us. We're getting into the peace of God, all right? You know that Og was a giant. 
you know that they were coming against the giants of their lives and the hard places of their lives. They were coming against things that were insurmountable to them. They saw themselves as, as, as grasshoppers in the sight of these big giants. And he said, look, it's been you, it's been you, but now it is we and it is us. We took their land and gave it as an inheritance to the Reubenites, to the Gadites, and to the half-tribe of Manasseh. Therefore, keep the words of this covenant and do them that you may prosper in all that you do. All of you stand today before the Lord, your God, your leaders and your tribes and your elders and your officers, all the men of Israel, your little ones and your wives, also the stranger who is in your camp, from the one who cuts your wood to the one who draws your water, that you may enter into covenant with the Lord your God and into his oath which the Lord your God makes with you today. Why? That he may establish you today as a people for himself, that he may be God to you, just as he has spoken and just as he has sworn to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I make this covenant and this oath not with you alone, but with him who stands here with us today before the Lord our God, as well as him who is not here with us this day. The covenant has been established. The covenant of peace. And the way that you walk in peace is to realize it's not you fighting your battle. I heard you say this morning, you are never alone. When you come into this house, you do not walk alone. And what God is showing us is that when we understand that we don't walk alone and that we walk with Jesus and Jesus walks with us as we walk in the spirit of the living God, that whatever battle and whatever trial and whatever tribulation comes our way, you don't fight by yourself. You have the armies of God, the host of heaven with you, but you've got to begin to speak those words out of your mouth and declare God's name over your situation. Do y'all remember in the movie Shrek, I make a reference to Shrek in almost all of my teachings. Now, in the book, in, in the book of Shrek, in the movie Shrek, <laughs> Shrek were preaching, y'all. I don't know if y'all saw it, but Shrek was preaching to me. Have y'all seen the movie Shrek? Yeah, 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 yeah. You remember when they came to him, you smelly, stinky ogre, and he, we're going to take you in, and he said, yeah, you and what army? And then the guy turns around and looks, and everybody had left him by himself. That's what happens when you, when the enemy comes against you and they say, we're going to take you out. It's just you. And you're like, no, you don't see this host that's behind me. The greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. You've got some invisible forces working on your behalf. You better know who you are. Amen. I had to throw that one on in. Maybe they'll send me a check. I don't know. All right. All right. <laughs> maybe, they'll, maybe they'll send me a check. Now, in order to peace out, in order to do what? Well, my girl on the side, oh, yeah, right, in order to peace out, you're going to have to cultivate his peace. And the way that you cultivate the peace of God is that you accept Jesus as your peace offering. Leviticus is very clear that Jesus fulfilled every one of those offerings. Hebrews is clear. Jesus fulfilled every offering and sacrifice that was needed. We don't have to bring bulls and goats and different things in this house and, and, and offer it to God by fire. Jesus did that 
once and for all, then sat down on the side of God and said, here I am, I've done what you've asked me to do. So Jesus chose to go to the cross. He wasn't made to go to the cross. Jesus chose to go to the cross and offer himself as a living sacrifice of our sins so that we could have peace with God. He broke down that middle partition and said, here it is, when that veil was split, they came together as one, heaven and earth met. That's why when we pray, we say, as on earth as it is in heaven, that we bind and loose those things that are in heaven as they are in earth as they are in heaven. That's the only way the power of God comes down, because of Jesus. Now, this peace offering, Jesus mended our broken relationship with God and suppressed, surpassed any good work that we could ever do. So it ain't about what you do and what you don't do. It's not about, oh, I worked hard. I didn't do anything wrong to this person. I, I told them I was sorry 1,700 times and they still won't forgive me. That's not what's going to happen. It is about the Spirit of God and the Word of God. So this peace offering paved the way for the fruit of the Spirit to come to us. Love, joy, peace. But it also paved the way for the Spirit of the living God and all the gifts and the callings that God has placed upon our lives. So we've got to accept Jesus as our peace offering and say that he is enough. And let me tell you, the peace offering brings us into communion with the Holy Spirit. So when you take that wafer and you eat that bread and you drink that wine, the peace offering is what has brought us into communion with Jesus Christ and with God. So we need to walk with God in the Spirit of the Lord. We got to know what he says and think about what he says. What does God say about peace? I just read you about seven or eight scriptures above. That's part of your arsenal now that will be released for you to walk in the peace of God, okay? So you got to know what he says, think about what he says, and activate that peace. And the biggest thing for me that I believe God is saying right now in order to cultivate the peace of God is quit agreeing with the world with what you have and what you think. How quick are we to say, oh, I got anxiety? We label ourselves, I'm anxious, I worry a lot. But you own the things of the world, but you never take the next step to disown it. If you're going to own it, you've got the power to disown it. Just like Pastor was up here saying just a few minutes ago, you know that butt will get you in trouble? right you can say I, oh I, I worry I have worry but the scripture says what don't worry worry not but what do we do we aggrandize it as well we walk around and say, oh I have anxiety I had a, a, a seven eight-year-old come up to me and say oh I have social anxiety I said if you don't go sit yourself down somewhere now, you know that term, and I'm not coming against any type of therapy and treatment and all of that, but why does a seven-year-old know that they have social anxiety? Why does a seven-year-old have all the cares of the world? Why? Why? Why does a seven-year-old carry the cares of the world? Why? Because we tell them everything that's going on. They, y'all, I'm about to get on my mama's soapbox. We allow five and six-year-olds to sit under grown-up conversations we tell them what's going on between the mama and the daddy and auntie and uncle. We do all these things and the kids walk around with this anxiety. 
Because that's your broke best friend. That is not your broke best friend. That is not your best friend. He told you to raise your children in the fear and an admonition of the Lord. He didn't tell you to clone yourself and make you a mini you for you to look at and idolize. And until we in the church house stop doing this mess, our kids are going to, their, their growth is going to be stunted. It's time for us to train these kids. They should be filled with the Holy Spirit. They should be speaking in tongues. As a matter of fact, they should be in here telling us, this is what I heard the Lord say, because their ears are tender to the word of the Lord. So if you're doing that, I'm going to say it gently. Stop it. That child is not your best friend. They can't be. They can't contribute to your growth. You've got to train them and teach them. And I'm begging you from this place of authority right here to say, look at your child and see that you are raising a warrior. If you want to cultivate peace in this world, train your kids in the ways and the word of God. Don't let their wants and their thoughts and their ways and their behaviors dictate life to you. You're the parent. Get where you're supposed to be. Sit down and teach your kids the word and the ways of God. Then you don't have to be afraid about what's coming next. You won't be afraid about the world that you live in because you got little quivers and little arrows and little warriors all around you. Quit that. I love my children. There's no way they're going to tell me what to do. No way. No way you're going to tell me what you're not going to do. The devil is a liar because that's who's talking when you tell me no when I say go clean your room. No way. And I don't know how this hitting you. Some of you guys may be in this predicament, but it's time for you to look in the mirror and go toe-to-toe -to -toe with yourself and say, do I want to be like God? Do I want to be a godly parent? Do I want to do it my way or do I want to do it God's way? Do I want to raise children that Jesus can say, I enlist you today, or do you want to raise children that you're going to be crying about for the rest of your life? I'm raising a warrior. If I leave here today, my kid's going to be all right. If I leave here today, they know how to pray. If, they, if I leave leave here today and they have to take care of me because of some sickness or disease they are not going to be laid out somewhere they're going to say my mama's with Jesus she's in a happy place and they're going to praise and worship and yeah they're going to cry and yeah they're going to grieve but they're going to keep living and they're going to stay on the battlefield for Jesus Christ but greater is our God and our King cultivate peace cultivate peace in your home Quit agreeing with the world. Men are not idiots. Men are not dumb. Men are not soft. Men are the men that we want to lay our heads on their shoulders. I got a strong man over there. I got a man with some wide shoulders that can take me down at any moment and lift me right back up. You better know who you're married to. And men, if you're not in your rightful place, you're not cultivating peace in your home. Get in your place. Raise up your family. Talk to your wife in love. Give her the scripture. Pray for her. Direct her. And with those soft, strong hands, hold her close and let her know everything's going to be all right. 
If you're not there yet, go see your pastor. He'll lay some hands on you and he'll give you some word that's going to build you up and strengthen you and carry you along the way. Okay, Lord. Because some of you guys have been emasculated in this house. Some of you have been emasculated by the words that have come forth from somebody's mouth, a female's mouth. I don't care if it's your, your mama, your auntie, great grandma, somebody who didn't like you or who didn't see your value. But that day is gone. Today is the day of salvation. So if you're not leading your house and you're not leading your house well, then it's time for you to get on your knees, repent, number one, ask God to come in and heal you, feel you, and set you free so that you can be the man of God that he's called you to be. But until that time, ladies, you better speak life into your husband. You better tell him who he is according to the word of God. There are no excuses for our houses being broken down the way that they are. Quit agreeing with the world. Agree with God. The next thing you want to do is appropriate his peace. Now, appropriate means that you're going to use it. Yeah. I'm going to use it. I'm going to use his peace. It's been handed to you. Use it. Jesus said, my peace I give you. My peace I leave you. If Jesus gave you something, why is it? what, what are we doing? We're sidetracking it? He's trying to give us peace and we're moving away? Like, no, I don't want your peace. I want to stay in trouble. You don't want to use it? Use the word of God for his glory and his glory alone. Mark 4, 35 to 41. I'm trying to hurry. Let's see, Matthew, Mark, Luke. <laughs> Matthew, Mark, Luke. All right. Remember, we're appropriating peace. And this just really just blew my mind. Matthew, I mean, Mark chapter 4, verse 35. On the same day, you guys, this is familiar scripture. When evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. When you see that word, I want you to think about how you're going to cross over in your understanding, okay? He's trying to teach them something. So we've got to cross over to get somewhere else for you to understand this new revelation that God has. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. Beautiful. They accepted Jesus as he was. Do you accept Jesus as he is? Amen. Or do you make up an image of who you think he's supposed to be to you? Because now you're upset with him because he didn't do what you told him you wanted. I'm going to leave that alone. And there were other little boats also around him and with him. Those little boats are the people that are on the outskirts of your life watching what you do day by day. You as a Christian saying, you know what? I want to be like them or there's no way I'll go to church anymore because of them. All right. And a great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he, capital H, was in the stern, asleep just as peaceful as he want to be on a pillow. Mm-hmm. Yes, he did. He took naps. He took good naps. And let me tell you what else he did. He wasn't worried. And they awoke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? That's their emotional response. They know Jesus loved them, but emotionally, like, wait a minute, Jesus, what's going on now? Don't you care? You're the answer. Don't you care that we're perishing? Then Jesus arose. And what did he do to the wind? He rebuked the wind. But he turned around and said to the sea, peace, be still. Yeah. He rebuked the wind, but he said to the sea, peace, be still. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Yeah. He looked to the wind and rebuked it. Yeah. 
Why did he rebuke the wind and then speak peace to the sea? What was that? The wind was the cause. Right. What was behind the wind that was causing the wind to blow in a way that was unnatural? This wasn't a natural storm. This was a supernatural storm caused by the enemy. He turned around because the God will rebuke the devil. Jesus will rebuke the enemy in a minute, and he'll rebuke the enemy in you, just like he did with Peter. So he turned around and he said, what's the, what's the question behind the question? What's the cause behind the thing that I see? See, many times we're looking at the root. We're going to look at the sea and say, I rebuke you. See, I rebuke you. You're dealing with the symptoms instead of dealing with the actual problem. Jesus goes straight to the source. He said, when, shut your mouth. That's exactly what he said. He said, when, shut your mouth. You're in a place of doing something I've not told you to do. Now you sit down. And then he looked to the sea and he said, you all right now. You all right. And he got back on the boat and he said, y'all, this is faith. This is faith. And when you go to chapter 5, they cross over and they finally make it to the other side. What was waiting on them? Matthew, Mark 5, a demoniac was waiting on them. Now, you, now we got to rebuke something else. We, we're getting there. This is training day, y'all. He said, now I'm going to have to rebuke this legion that's in this person. So first you're just rebuking the wind. I rebuke you, wind, in the name of Jesus. I don't know what you've been going through, but God will train us. He'll let you start out a little small with a little something, something going on in your life. And then all of a sudden that tidal wave come, you're going to have to, you're going to have to rear back and you're going to have to dig deep down in your spirit. And you're going to have to say, in the name of Jesus, you come out of him right now and shut up. Please, can we just go into the pigs? Please. People don't know why he let them go into the pigs except for to cause all of that ruckus to come back and for him to speak peace. But what happened to the demoniac? The one who had been oppressed by the enemy. The one the enemy had been tearing up. He was, he was breaking chains. They chained him back up. He was breaking chains. They chained him back up. He was breaking chains. They would chain him back up. And what happened to him? Those people came out and they saw him sitting and clothed in his right mind. You see, the God of peace, the Prince of Peace, met that Prince of the Air and told him to shut your mouth. And he told him to sit down and he told him to get out of the way. And so that the peace of God rested in that man. And then Jesus said, now, he said, Jesus, can I go with you? Can I go with you? Please. That's my other, that's my donkey reference in Shrek. Can I go with you? Please. He said, no, you go back. And you go through Decapolis, through all these 10 cities, as a witness to the goodness of God in the land of the living. That's how you see peace appropriated. Very, very powerful. I love God and I love his word. So when you have peace, you're going to have to know your enemy as a child of God. Know who your enemy is. The enemy comes to do what? Steal? Jesus said, I came that you may have life and have it to the full. So when you say what Jesus said, you're going to do what Jesus do. You're going to see what Jesus has seen. And you're going to walk in the ways of the Lord. And it's going to take you to the next thing that you're going to begin to dominate through peace. And I've already said this. Jesus said, we have the power by submitting to God to resist the devil and he will have to flee. In Philippians chapter 4, that's where we're going next. Philippians 4. Y'all bear with me. 
Philippians chapter 4. Ephesians, Philippians 4. Verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. Let your gentleness, gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Verse 6, and this is where we're going to park it for a little while. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will do what? Guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. All right. If we will obey God and do what he said, how he said it, that means when worry and anxiety and troubles come my way, the first thing I need to do is what? Pray. Supplication means that I'm crying out to God. This is something else now. When you supplicate before the Lord, you're begging. You are saying, God, I can't do this. I need you. You're holding on to the horns of the altar, and you're saying, Lord, I'm not going to let you go till you bless me. I'm not going to let them go. My child has gone into darkness. I refuse to let the devil have my child. And you're holding on in every scripture that you know. You're throwing them out just like a like a, a bazooka is that even a thing anymore okay yeah that thing and so you're like shooting them out like crazy just bam 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 you just calling them out to God and he's saying pray supplicate what we fail to do because we'll cry out to God in our feelings and our emotions but we got to get in the Psalms where we'll begin to say these things, say about what I feel. So when I start to get in the presence of God, when something is going on in my life, I'm going to give you an example. I've been a foster parent. I was a foster parent for about 20 years. And I had a foster son with me from the time that he was one year old. And he went to live with his mom when he, when he was four. I knew God was doing that. It was hard, but I said, okay, God, that's what you want. Let's do it because that's his mother and he needs to be with his mom. Well, it came back to me when he was six. I got prophetic words saying, oh, that's going to be your son. That's your son because I didn't have a son. I said, okay, Lord. But on the edge of my mind, I just kept thinking, I, I don't know. I don't know, God, you know, because people are telling me this, but it, it didn't hit my spirit all the way. Because, you know, I spend time with the Lord. Yes, it's something that I wanted. When he turned 14, 14 years old, I was in my, I was in a shower, and I was just worshiping, and I was just talking to Jesus. And I had another foster son, and I knew God had already told me that I was supposed to let him go. That's another whole story. And that was hard all by itself. I said, okay, Lord. But I'm in there praying. I hear the Lord say, let him go. And I said, okay, God, I did. I said, I, I, I'll let him go. I'll let him go. I thought he was talking about my boy John, but that's not who he's talking about. And he said, you got to let Bryson go. I said, what? I said, now you're making me give this one, giving him, what, you, what is happening right now? I felt like I was in the twilight zone. And he said, give him to me. And I said, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to let him go. And the Lord said, give him to me. And I said, I don't know how to let him go. And then these great wailing tears and these sounds started coming out from the depths of my soul because I felt like I had birthed this child. 
And I began to just cry out to God and I said, I give him to you. I give him to you. I give him to you. You are the most important person in my entire life. I give you my life. I give him to you. And I cried and I cried and I cried and I rejoiced and I rejoiced and I rejoiced because you know what happened? I came into agreement with God. And when I came into an agreement with God, all the pain that I felt, all the turmoil, all the things, the, I mean, y'all, when I tell you it was a pain deep, deep in my soul, the spirit of God and the peace of God came on me so strongly that I almost fell out in the shower. I was holding on. I was just leaning forward and I was just holding on trying to balance myself because the presence of God and the peace of God came upon me. It was tangible. I could feel it from the top of my head down to the soles of my feet and I felt it deep into the womb of my spirit. When that place that I felt was going to be empty, when God got done with me, I was filled up. I was whole. I was all right. And I said, okay, God, he belongs to you. He never belonged to me. Let's do this. And he said, I'll show you when. And it was less than a year later when this happened. And when that time came and he said, I'm going to go live with my mom. I said, pack up. I said, two words. I said, pack up. And everybody was looking like, how in the world could you do that? How could you let him go back to live with his mom? I said, did you hear what you said? How did I let him go live with his mom? That's his mama. She's supposed to be raising him. And if she is, she's ready now, she's going to raise him. And I had to fight through that. Then after that, all the criticisms and the judgments and all of that. But he is thriving right now. You guys know Bryson. You guys remember Bryson. He's doing well right now because I followed the plan of God. It was not easy. But when you begin to dominate and you begin to release the word of God, when you begin to obey the instructions of the Lord, when he says, don't be anxious. And I say, I don't know how not to be anxious about this. He said, then agree with me. I agree with what he said and let me tell you peace was the result of it now peace pray supplicate with thanksgiving giving praise and glory and honor when you are hearing God so the byproduct of obedience will be God's peace and it will supernaturally go beyond the you of you see I couldn't fathom that I could feel peace in the midst of that I couldn't fathom that I could feel peace in making decisions that were countercultural. I couldn't, it was even counter-Christian. How are you going to give a child away? How are you going to give him back and you put him in a precarious situation? The Lord said, take care of widows and orphans. I didn't have peace at all. And here I was taking care of the orphan, and he says, no, give him back. I was like, Lord, Jesus, help me, Father. And he did just that. That is the power of God. So you seal it. You seal it by thinking on his specific whatevers. See, in our mind, we get caught up because we begin to think about what's going on to us, what's happening to us, right? It's all about us, us, how it's going to affect me. But the whatevers are, whatever things are noble and good and pure and righteous and holy, virtuous. He said, think on these things. So now he's telling you to direct, turn your face from what you're looking at and direct yourself to the spirit of God. Direct yourself to the word of God. Turn your face like Flint, like Hezekiah did and say, I'm 
not going to move my face, Lord God, until you bless me, until you change the situation. I'm going to declare your holy name. You alone are God, and you are God all by yourself. And that's how you begin to dominate. Now, so not only are you casting out the enemies of your soul, not only are you putting your emotions up under your feet where they need to be. Not only are you making your mind up that I'm going to follow Christ, but now you're becoming one who can disseminate peace. And what does that mean? Spread it out. Do y'all know people that when they walk into the room, you just feel peace around them? You have no idea that they are just all broken on the inside because they walk with this kind of like this, like almost like a, that fruit of peace is just hanging off their branch, just hanging right there. And that is what God is telling us to do, disseminate peace. And he does that through Colossians chapter 3. He says, look, wherever you go, put on love. Put on love. And when you put on love, which is Jesus, he says, love will rule. Mm -mm. Love will cause peace to rule your heart. So the words that you're speaking today, I am this and I am that that don't line up with God's word. That means you got a heart problem. And if you got a heart problem, that means you got a word problem. And if you got a word problem, you got a solution. And it's the word of God right here. Pick it up. See what he says about it. Appropriate it. Use it. Dominate the enemy from now on. And if the enemy is you, look in the mirror and tell you to sit down and shut up and pick up what God is saying to you. Amen? Amen. Now, I said some hard words and I said some things I know that are challenging. But you know better than I am. He told me all this too. Right? So in this room, I know that there are some people here and I know I've gone over time. But in this room, there are some people here that you are dealing with all this worry and anxiety and fear. Now, the hard word was, this is true. The gentle word is, there is hope. The gentleness is that there is a place for you here. And so right now, what we want to do is begin to pray and seek the Lord. Because I got some questions that I'm going to ask you. And I'm believing God that as you answer these questions, they're going to break up the junk that's going on inside of you. And it's going to let you go. Do you accept Christ as God's peace offering for you? Are you ready to break agreement with the world? Are you ready to agree with God's words of peace and love? Are you ready to repent for speaking word curses into your own lives and to those around you, including your children? Yes. Do you know the enemy of your peace? Take a moment. Take just a moment. Get them in your mind. It might be your emotions. It might be another person. It could be things. Get it in your mind. Know the enemy of your peace. Because at the end of the day, the enemy of your peace is Satan. And God's got a remedy for him. And that is the blood of Jesus. Will you appropriate peace by rebuking that spirit that's working against your life? Go after the root cause and not the symptom. Will you acknowledge that you have the power to make the devil flee by submitting to God and resisting him? His words, his works, and his tactics.
The Holy Spirit is revealing them to you. Whatever the Holy Spirit tells you to say, say. And whatever he tells you to do, do. Then tell anxiety, worry, negativity, and chaos to go in Jesus' name. Cry out to God intensely. Get desperate. And then praise him and praise him and praise him. Put on love because you got to sustain it. You got to walk in it. Put on love and then let peace rule from out of your heart. Let peace be the sword that cuts the enemy's tactics off once and for all. Amen. So I just want you to sit in your seat right now. And I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to take a little water real quick. <clears throat> Give me just a second. Thank you. If you will bow your heads with me. Thank you, Jesus. You've answered questions. You've listened to some word and counsel. I pray behind all of that you've heard the voice of the good shepherd and that you've heard the voice of the enemy, but you dare and you are refusing to follow that voice. I pray now for the spirit of the living God to come into this place, for discerning of spirit to be activated in the name of Jesus, for the words of your heart, the mouth and the meditation of your heart to be acceptable in the sight of God. That as you are in worship, in agreement, even as you are sitting down right now, burdens are coming off you in the name of Jesus. Mm. The burden of reoccurring sin mm, is coming off of someone right now in the name of Jesus. We bind up shame and blame right now. Hallelujah. Mm. And we stand before the cross of Calvary. Glory to your name. We gently bow to our knees as we continue to look up at you, Jesus, and we realize what you've done. We see the blood. We see the water. We know not only have you set us free, but you've cleansed us and you're washing us right now in Jesus' name. Mm. You've taken away the guilt of our sin. Mm. And Lord, even as we've repented for even declaring that we are anxious, when you said, be not, we own it to disown it right now in the name of Jesus. And we declare that perfect love casts out all fear. And we release the word of the Lord right now that peace like a river will flow. We take authority over the enemy right now because peace of God is flowing in this house. Hallelujah. And it's going deep down into, mm, into your soul. It's going deep down into your spirit. It's going deep down into your body. And it's causing you to be in alignment with the Father right now in the name of Jesus. Jesus. We declare the power of God in this house to set men and women free from bondage, from sin, and from the work of the enemy because you've already demolished his work. Mm. Mm. Peace like a river is flowing and the spirit of the living God is in this house. And all you have to do is continue to breathe in and out. Breathe in of his peace. Breathe in his peace. In the name of Jesus. 
mm, every curse that has been spoken, every word curse has been spoken to every person in this house in Jesus' name has been broken over you in the spirit and by the spirit mm, from heaven, from heaven, and God is going to strengthen you to walk it out on this earth. Who they said you were, you are not, declares the Lord. You are mine, and I am yours. Mm. Let the scales fall from your eyes. Pull out every stopper from the ears, O oh God. Let the veil be lifted from the hearts of your children, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. Mm. And I pray for the power from on high. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord, the power from on high to destroy and deliver your people in the name of Jesus. As we destroy our flesh right now, Lord God, we put it to death on your cross, oh God. We put our flesh to death because you did it for us, oh God. Hallelujah. Jesus. Mm. Hallelujah. Mm. Let God do his work. He's just doing his work. Mm. Hallelujah. 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 We ask you, Father God, that you will create in us a clean heart, that you will renew the right spirit within us, Lord. And every burden, Lord God, that we've cast down, we are now, Lord God, yoked up to you, Lord God. Your yoke is easy. Your burden is light. We are arm in arm with you, oh God. Hallelujah. And wherever you go, we go. Whatever you say, we say, Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your resurrection power. And all these dead places, Lord God, will remain in the grave as the resurrected power of Christ lifts your people up in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, be new, be set free, be free in the name of Jesus. For whom the Son says free is free indeed. Whom the Son says free is free.